0: Welcome, High and Ski Bomb Podcast, Episode Number Two Hundred and Eighty Three. These your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's up?
1: Not much, man. Just getting ready for a big holiday weekend and uh, getting over a, another cold because another cold. after COVID, there you know you start realizing there still are colds out there. There still are other things other than COVID. And wait, there is. They're waiting to get you, man. They're what? just waiting out there.
0: Long COVID,
1: short COVID, extra nope. strength COVID. No, just a fucking cold. Just cold. That's that's, that's allowed. You're allowed to have those still? You're allowed to have you know, they Unbelievable. everybody starts asking you though, is it COVID? Is it COVID? Is it COVID? Yeah. No, it's just the sinus thing that I have. It's, it's just crazy. what I get every year. Twice a year.
0: Well, we're
1: glad you're at least okay enough to do the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was I was I was touch and go for a while there. I thought you I wasn't touch, gonna make it.
0: Well you were touch and go last week when we had our interview, which is our main topic. <sighs> that's we why. uh we chatted with our new friend Jacob Perkins, who is a speed skier. Yes, speed skiing. They're nice. trying to get it back in the Olympics for 2026. We had a great chat. We learned about speed skiing, which mm. some some cool details to it, like some of the equipment stuff that we talked about, which I I found particularly interesting. And Jacob's a, a really cool guy, and actually said he would, if we could ever hook up, he would take us to one of these courses and would oh, hook us up with some
1: nice. gear. So. That'd be awesome. Could be pretty fun. Hook us up and let us fly down the mountain as fast as we humanly can until we... Pretty much. Kind of are weightless and then just flying down the mountain. Terminal velocity, baby. That's it.
0: So check that out in the main topic. Thank you so much for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out, SkiBumpPodcast.com. Go to your favorite social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, untapped. We are at podcast. Send us an email, ski bump podcast at gmail.com. Go to your favorite podcasting apps, rate and subscribe. Also, we got the shop, skibumpodcast.com slash shop. Shirts, sweatshirts, mugs. we got some fun stuff
1: there. Get your merch. It's coming up soon. Get, Get your merch.
0: Now. Get your merch. Come on. Hey, look like something. Like, yeah, show your skier.
1: It's yeah. Fun. Live a little. I need a shirt for the beach. You know, you're hanging out at the beach. Somebody's like, "Hey, what's up, big boy? You're you're high flute and ski bum, right?
0: Always represent skiing, no matter where you are, what the temperature is. That's what we do.
1: A always B B S skiing. A B S always B skiing.
0: <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself.
1: You know, I was I was flipping through uh, Netflix and I just put that scene on. I just watched that scene out of the whole movie. Put the coffee down. I just want a nice 15 minutes. I was like, you know what? I want to see that scene right now. I just you know went right to that scene. The most amazing part of that scene is that Alec Baldwin didn't shoot anybody. <laughs> At allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly, didn't shoot allegedly right? <laughs> Wait, did you see the director's cut? <laughs> oh!
0: Director's shot. Oh-ho. Boom. Mario, I think it's time to kick it off the way we always do. It's time for I'll Pray today.
1: So I got a special gift for. I'm trying to think when this was. This might have been Christmas. Is this a Christmas gift or a birthday gift? My Christmas and birthday for me is like right, right near each other. So this is one of those. And um, so I've had it for a few months, just kind of sitting there, waiting. Um, I finally cracked it open. So I told Brian that I'm like, I don't care if I got stuff as a gift. If it's nice and fancy. I'm just opening shit now. I'm eating stuff. I don't care. You got live a Barolo that's supposed no to be saved for like 10 years. I don't care. I'm going to drink it now. I don't give a shit. I might not live. This is what I'm saying. So I got this uh, Blade & Bow bourbon. Look at that. Blade and & Bow. And it's really cool because it comes with this key. And you collect the keys. And if you collect the five different keys on each bottle, um, you can actually join their club the five keys club. And then they invite you to all this like secret shit, Ooh. which is pretty neat. So the the distillery that makes it is Sitzel and Sitzel Weller. And uh, it's Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Um, and it uses a unique Solera aging, Solera system aging process. And they're saying what that does it preserves some of the oldest whiskey stocks with some of the last bourbon produced before it was uh, produced there before it closed in 1992. So the Solera liquid is mingled with other fine whiskeys aged and bottled at Sitzel Weller. So it's very interesting. So the Solera system, now they use, they mingle... older whiskeys with younger whiskeys and they kind of get it. They have this whole, I don't know, aging system, Kentucky bourbon aging system. But um, yeah, it's pretty neat. They, they age it in white oak barrels, fresh root apricot, ripe pear. Um, I don't know. It tastes pretty damn good to me. It sounds really good. I gotta say, this is good. It's not... Um, it's not sharper or it doesn't have a big bite to it, uh, especially when it sits for a little while, opens up. Uh this one's really good. It's a it's a good one. I tell you what. I would I would suggest, Brian, you you grab yourself a bottle of this. Blade and bow. Blade and bow. I mean, it seems like a pretty fancy one. I don't know if they're gonna I don't think you can just go out and buy this bourbon. It seems like it's I don't know. I got it from somebody down here. They went to, I think, Total Wine. Think, I'm seeing Total Wine's website has it for
0: $49.99. Boom. In so stock it's not too expensive. Right now. Huh? In stock right now at the Boom. River Edge, New Jersey Total Wine.
1: They got to is- make sure when you look at the keys, though, they have keys one through five. So there's one that's harder to get. So when you look at the bottles, you got to look at the number of the key. So you get make sure you get all the keys. For some reason, at my local... Uh, total
0: wine it's two dollars more it's 51.99 oh that's because you're in a
1: fancy area
0: yeah. <laughs> the other part that the other town was fancy too i don't know why it's got to drive an extra two dollars worth of gas to get to my total wine.
1: i don't know i don't know i just want to get really into good. this club because i want to get invited to remember we got on some mailing list for some cool stuff like the remy martin tasting oh, and, yeah yeah like we would get invited to like some secret Fidelio shit. It was great. <laughs> it was like secret society stuff. I'm like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here, but What's I'm the gonna keys just...
0: are involved. That's right. Like it's just like one of those weird kind of key parties, you know, you check your key in the thing and the yeah. thing, and you know, it's kinda weird. Happens? Like
1: remember we went to the uh was it the milk gallery in it's by uh Batali's place, right around there. By in, uh the market, Chelsea Market, right? By Chelsea Market. And we went there and they had the whole Remy Martin Tasting Remy, and, Remy Martin, as you mean, Remy Martin. Remy Martin, and uh, that's pretty cool. It's like all free, and we're like walking around, like, is this all free? Like,
0: that was one with free. the uh, they actually had the XO there, they were pouring,
1: yeah, it was no, like it was legit stuff. And we're like, yeah, we're just like, we just get this. Like, I'm like, I, I, you mean I just reply, yes, and we were on some great mailing list for a little while. I don't know, right. I don't know how we got off it, but goddamn, COVID. I don't remember how it got on it. I don't remember how it got off it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, that how sounds you, delicious.
0: Bro? And I kind of want to try this uh, this uh bourbon, this Blade and Bow. Well, mine's yeah. got a little story to it. So you had the bourbon going. You were like, I'm going to have this for the app right today. And I'm like, Shh. I was going to have a, like a, kind of a chill lame beer. And I decided against it because you inspired me. You Gotta do it. So I have, I have a lot of bourbon upstairs. When I'm here down in the, in the cave, in the studio area, I got, I got some like, like over like overload booze that didn't fit in the in the cabinet and nice. stuff that's kind of just around.
1: And I had this. That's I a do, this. W- they call that the doghouse stock. So when you're in the doghouse, <laughs> you go to the basement and then you just have your little private stock of just things is not bad. i like, drinking stuff. I've, <laughs> I, like i refuse bad stuff like we talked about this a few months ago where we're like you know
0: we i'll just pour beers out now they're like old beers or they're gross like i'm not even keeping them around oh, yeah chuck we're them out pour it out of here see my booze like i don't keep crap stuff around I only like the good stuff I'm not wasting time I'm not wasting liver damage on crap only good exactly. stuff this whiskey that i have this whiskey it's one of those things like i didn't want to finish it left a little bit in there i didn't want to finish it because it reminds me of a good time It is from October of 2019. Mm. Talking about the things we were invited to and all the fun stuff. I was at a ski Utah event in New York City. And I was chatting with the bartender there. They were making, I believe it was old fashions. It was old (laughs) fashions. And I was chatting with them. Because that was a week. I think there was two events. It was like an Icon Pass event and a ski Utah event. I feel like I was a goddamn king.
1: Wasn't the one you went and Johnny Mosley was there? That was the Icon Pass one. Yeah. That was that weekend. The ski Utah
0: one. That was just, that was so cool. (laughs) So uh, the ski Utah one, they of course had Mario's favorite High West distillery. Doesn't doesn't
1: exist. That place doesn't exist.
0: And I was chatting with Steve, the bartender. He was a snowboarder, a really cool guy. And we were trying to get him on the podcast back then. But of course, you know, the world kind of got stupid. And we actually had a bunch of really good interviews lined up and trying to get him on. Didn't pan Thanks out. COVID. Thanks, COVID. So our friend Rich was able to get a bottle from him. And I said, to am like, hey, do you have any other bottles like that I can take with me? And he's like, well, this bottle's open. And probably you shouldn't be able to take it around. I'm like, I got a backpack. He's like, you got a backpack? I'm like, I got a backpack. He's like, <laughs> all right, you can take it. So this bottle of High West Double
1: Rye. It was probably like to here, nice. Like when he gave it, to almost me. all the way to the top, almost all the way. He's like, we're just going to throw it out or whatever. I'm like, isn't that crazy? They have an event. They're like, yeah, we're going to throw it out. We can't do anything with a half open bottle, right? Yeah. I'm like,
0: just pass it over to me. I got a backpack, so put yeah. in the backpack on the train. Went home. Always carry the backpack. That's what I'm saying. Always carry the backpack. That's the key. And this is a good whiskey. It's double rye. Now is. I don't have the most sophisticated palate. I'll admit it. I know what I like. I know what's good. I'm not pulling out all like every, these weird little fragrances and smells. And I I'm drinking at the most like classless trashy freaking mug.
1: I got a beer mug. I'm drinking it nice. because I don't have a special fancy glass. So See, you're, you're not going to have smells. like me. This is, this was my, my wedding gift to myself. My wife and I gave it to each other. This is, this is Waterford.
0: Waterford. Look at you. Look at you. I don't even set. know you anymore. Whiskey set, bro. That's it. I, you used to drink out of, like, red paper cups, bourbon. But,
1: this is Irish what they do. It's whiskey. Yeah.
0: So, and again, too, like, this has been in, like, the freezer. Like, I don't know, like, the kids grabbed it with, like, boogery hands. Like, I, I'm not getting the proper nose and mm, palate. Uh, the kids are both sick. They're gross. So, I'm not getting the nose and stuff that you usually get. So, actually, to go to the website or a website and get some details. So, they're saying nose, rye, spice, apple cinnamon, apple cider, and mint like nice Mint. get that. A little minty yeah a little spice a little bit of burn but it's it's huh. very chill and like the one you had this is a mix of two uh different ones but these are rise two year and a 16 year
1: yeah see that's what i guess what they they do a lot like it it smooths out the uh the flavor right mm-hmm. otherwise it can be too new and too hot
2: mm-hmm.
1: see it's the problem with drinking really it neat is like it goes down like water and see this Bottle was like oh boy. almost up to here when I started. Was that a new bottle? Yeah. It was almost new. And I'm like, I'm pretty putting a dent in it. I'm like, you just don't realize it just goes down so easy once it hits your lips.
0: Yeah. And What's I'm that? looking at this website, breakingbourbon.com. So they're saying, so this is like a $40 bottle, the, uh, the double rye. This guy is saying, I would take this over a $70 bottle of Whistle Pig any
1: day of the Ooh. week. Whistle Pig. Boom. He's throwing shade at Whistlepig. That's throwing fucked up. Throwing
0: shade at the pig. Dang. I love the pig. I like. I, I love, love the pig. We've had some wonderful times with the pig. The, the pig's
1: been... It's good to go hog wild once in a while.
0: I just remember that time at the, uh, the wonderful Pinnacle Hot Tub at Killington when <sighs> you, me, and Rem just decimated that bottle.
1: Yeah, there <laughs> like, were some people and a little taste here and there too but it was uh, yeah, pretty
0: but for the most part it was the three of us just destroying that bottle in like
1: an hour yeah that was and, a uh, 10 was that the uh, 10 year old we got it was a special Vermont whistle pig one it was like a I special remember,
0: the 10 the 10 year is the standard one but it was like a special version of that like just the Vermont it was edition, the Vermont right? one yeah yeah but yeah, it's
1: the whistle pig Vermont one it was the
0: wasn't the boss hog or whatever the uh the next one is
1: the it wasn't ones, the, I get the red one it wasn't the 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 maple syrup one
0: no i think it was just like a special edition of that one it wasn't too like a single barrel or something it wasn't yeah it wasn't one of their crazy expensive ones like because they have that like wor- <clears throat> something world when it's the red bottle
1: yeah oh look they got the farm stock rye and the farm stock bourbon i think it i don't know it had a little greenish label but it wasn't farm stock.
0: No. <clears throat> oh, the old world rye.
1: That's the one. I think one time we had that. Oh, no, this is it the farm stock. The farm stock is the Vermont one. Is that the one? They had a different label, but I guess yeah. that's what they rebranded it.
0: Okay. It was really good.
1: Yeah, because has the Vermont on the bottle. Pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, get back. Good stuff. To well actually it's a perfect transition
0: let's go to ski news our first story about the good state of vermont well at least one of the ski areas in vermont suicide six is changing its name the suicide six name will be retired this summer our resort team embraces the increasing awareness surrounding mental health and shares the growing concerns about the insensitive nature of the historical name. The feelings that the word suicide evokes can have a significant impact on many in our community. The suicide six key area has an enduring legacy spanning nearly nine decades, And it is vital that the name better represents and celebrates what makes it a beloved and vibrant part of the community. Though some may find the change difficult, we stand by our conviction that the evolution is warranted for an iconic treasure and, more importantly, necessary to continue its rich history of inclusion and accessibility. After much thought and consideration, research and community outreach, a new name has been developed and will be announced in the coming weeks. The change is being made with great care
1: and respect. We look forward to sharing it with you soon. So you're saying now, they're going to change always... it to like tampon Ridge or something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: What are they
1: going to do? Like powder puff well, Ridge? Like, I'm just well, saying. let be honest. The name Suicide Six is a weird goddamn name. But... It's kind of like, right? it's suicide hill. It's suicide to go down that hill kind of thing. Like I get the idea, like yeah. growing up, like we had a hill and it was suicide hill to go down on your bike. And a lot of people would crash and carnage, whatever, but yeah. it was kind of harmless. It was like a rite of passage, you know? Yeah. I get the name sensitivity. I get that in certain contexts, but it depends where your head's at, right? If your head's at, oh, that's just what it's called versus I'm going to put everything in my mind on top of something that's named something and it's going to be something else that it's not, but then it's not, I don't know, that's not right. Yeah. I mean, was that's there
0: like, would anyone go there to commit suicide?
1: Can you imagine if they had a mass suicide there? Then I'd be like, okay, we're changing the name. There was like a cult? Yeah. like And that was like was their their mountain? Heaven's Gate, right? Like Fucking. a Heaven's Gate cult? Oh. With yeah, like Jonestown, up, right at the... They set right up like there.
0: a wood chipper at the bottom of the hill and they all just like skied into it. Like, <laughs> Oh my God, that'd be crazy. terrifying.
1: Like, man, we got to change the name of this place. Like Jonestown, everybody drinking like Kool-Aid or whatever it was. Yeah, that would be terrible. Damn.
0: I mean, it is a weird name. I actually think I have a,
1: a Suicide Six cowbell over here somewhere. You better get your merchandise now. <laughs> get your merch. I got to see if they're selling... Hold on a second. Are they selling merchandise? Let's see the passes oh, gift cards pack.
0: Damn it. There's nothing available anymore.
1: Yeah, it's like the Washington Redskins. You know somebody's walking around with like a Redskins jersey, like just saving it. Like they went out, they bought them all, right?
0: <laughs> Getting like a uh, like a Robert Griffin III jersey. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they got on eBay for like $4. They're like,
1: eh, no big deal. <laughs> That's right. It's got RG3. a goddamn
0: Redskin on it. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it's weird. Again, weird name. I uh, can't be, it's
0: going to be, it's definitely going to be muted. I'm thinking.
1: Muted. Just call it muted mountain. Muted mountain. But then it might, it might offend people that are mutes. I don't know. Hey man,
0: if you look hard enough, you'll be able to offend everybody any moment of the day. What can we call a thing
1: like tree mountain is it going to offend trees? Snow mountain is going to offend snow. Like, I don't know. At what point does it really get?
0: All I know is that black mountain is on borrowed time in New Hampshire.
1: Ooh, God damn. Yeah, borrowed
0: man. time. White face. Borrowed time. Borrowed time. <laughs> <White face. laughs> borrowed time <laughs> talk, my friends. You talk,
1: <laughs> you talk about targets for changing the name like, white face. Just, I'm sorry. That's got to be up there. What if Whiteface <laughs> and Black Mountain just decided to flip the script? Black and White Cookie Mountain. <laughs>
0: Blackface Mountain and White Mountain. They just switched it up for a day. Blackface, White Mountain.
1: People would lose. Black, face Black Mountain. Isn't
0: that like the store, like that women's clothing store? Blackface, yeah, like,
1: White Mountain. It's like a Black. White Market, Black House, Black House, White, White House, black, black Market. Something like that. Yeah. White House, Black Market. Is that what it is?
0: White House, Black. I think so. I don't know. I don't know, man.
1: Red it's, House, uh, Blue Market, uh, who cares?
0: We're getting canceled just having this conversation. We're just, <laughs> we're just discussing ideas. Whitefish, they're on, they're on notice oh, too. Whitefish, forget about it, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that uh, Game of Thrones? It was the Blackfish, right? Blackfish, yeah. Blackfish, yeah.
1: The Blackfish. That was a cool logo too. <laughs>
0: whiteface he was, uh, the only gangster in that family left.
1: <laughs> They're talking about changing the Squaw Mountain to something, like Whiteface has no comment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like that—that that meme, like that Muppet, where it's like looking and it's like looks away, kind of thing.
1: It's just creeping away into the back, like
0: Homer like, backing into the into the hedges.
1: <laughs> the representative of White Mountain from Whiteface just kind of slid to the background.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: I got nothing to say on this. <laughs>
0: Hold oh, on boy.
1: But oh boy.
0: And now I actually Suicide Six also too, they are starting to have a reputation as being a little bit Because uh, yeah, they were supposed to have the Bronco off rodeo there too last year. Yeah, what happened to that? I believe. I think someone got wind of the fact that that Broncos aren't electric cars and had like a panic attack and their scarf got all sweaty and they had to go to run to like the town board and like, we can't have this in our town. We only have Toyota hybrids, Priuses in this <laughs> town.
1: I want to see like a Prius off-road rally. <laughs> that would be the shortest rally ever. <laughs> Everybody like pushing cars. It'd be great. Man.
0: So yeah, so the so Ford is like, well, we'll just go to New Hampshire. And New Hampshire's like, welcome Come on, well, bring come as many Broncos as you motherfuckers can round up and we'll get them in here and drive them through the, the
1: rivers and the mountains and whatever. Need extra gas, go to chuck in some gas and just pour it down the mountain for you. Don't worry about it. There is
0: definitely a, an attack on fun these days. Yeah. There I think is. so many people are just miserable and upset and hate their lives and hate their jobs. They're just <laughs> lashing out to hate something. And like yeah. I was thinking about my life today. I'm like, I have so little fun in my life right now. And I'm like, when was the is last problem. time you played in mud? When was the last that?
1: time? When was the last time you played in the mud? Played in the mud. It's been far too long. That's what I'm saying. When was the last time you, you, well, you may have, cause you got little kids, but last time you ran barefoot and grass. That was today. Yeah. Was but today. I'm saying a lot of people, they don't mm-hmm. even, they don't even do that. What the last time you actually just jumped? Like just
0: stood there and just jumped. Last summer, I was kicking a soccer ball around. I'm like running around kicking soccer balls. I'm like, this is so much fun. It's oh. so simple, but it's fun.
1: It's fun. Ah, oh. Not a lot of fun anymore. Everybody hates fun. Now, I got to walk around work watching exactly everything I say. I'm like, hello, how do you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a fucking robot. People are like, like Mary. My hands, you see them. He's <laughs> not, not touching anything. Just, just walking around. I'm touching myself. Oh, I can't there's even like, touch myself because I don't... It's like hands
0: in your pockets. Like not even your front, your back pockets. You can't even, you can't even do that. You're no, back pockets are fine. Back he's fondling himself
1: fine. while he walks through the, the floor. That's why back pockets are fine. It's You're the front pockets. Your ass. He, he's he's <laughs> yeah. fondling his tush while he walks what through. What is the... he doing to his buttocks? <laughs> he's fondling his buttocks every time he looks at me. <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands, <laughs> like Rick, like uh, Tall Dagonites. I, I don't know what to do with my hands. Oh, <laughs> uh, horrible! Goddamn
0: people! It's 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 only getting crazier. It's only getting
1: yeah. crazier. Just wait. All right, there's a new season pass from Copper Ski. Copper offers three days. I it's Cooper. Oh, sorry, not Copper. Cooper. This is uh, where
0: the coop fusion.
1: Coop Fusion, and we talked about these guys, right? Yes, but they're jacking it up for this year. Yeah, so they offer three days at 58 other independent ski areas. So they do their own, like, independent pass. Yeah. Uh, Ski Cooper, located on the Tennessee Pass in Eagle and Lake Counties, will begin selling season passes for the 22-23 season Friday with 13 new partner resorts added to the pass. Family-run ski areas offering guests... Uh, 15 to 74, 74, damn. You mean 70 and up, you don't get free pass? That's bullshit. Unlimited access for $329 through the end of July. What if you same... identify as 75? <laughs> I identify. I identify as 75. Where's my free pass? That's right. It was the same price as Ski Cooper... Offered during the 19 and 20 season, prices will increase on August 1st. Our core mission is to keep skiing as affordable as possible. And we take tremendous pride in the ability to do that through our past. Ski Cooper CEO, Dan. Torso said uh, the family atmosphere at excellent quality service we've been able to maintain is a credit to our team and only adds to the value we provide our pass holders that we're also able to provide access to a host of like-minded resorts across the U S is just the icing on the cake.
0: And this has got some weird ones. Like this has got some, yeah, some, some way out there ones. Now, one thing that I notice on here, bear Creek in Pennsylvania is on here. Ooh. I took Benjamin there, and that is a really nice place. Nice. Again, it's not huge, but they built this beautiful hotel there. I mean, it's it's a it's a real nice spot. I, we had a great day I gotta skiing say there.
1: 58 resorts, so, and they're everywhere. So new it's for this year. It's way more spread
0: out than Indy Pass is. The Indy Pass has got a lot on the East Coast and a good amount in the Pacific Northwest. While this is just really all over the place.
1: Think of how awesome it would be to merge these two. Oh, Boom. Yeah. Boom. That'd be the epic indie. The coondy pass. The, co- the co- You can't call it the Koundy Pass. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my God. Or the
0: the Imper <laughs> Pass.
1: <laughs> the Imper. <laughs> like, oh boy. Oh boy. Hot can't. water burn baby. <laughs> You can't mix the words together. (laughs) Okay, so new for this year are Mount Spokane, Washington, Mount Shasta, California, White Pine, Wyoming, Terry Peak, South Dakota, Snow Star, Illinois, Giants Ridge, Minnesota, White Cap Mountains, Wisconsin, Marquette Mountain in Michigan, Blue Knob, Bear Creek, and Mount Pleasant in Pennsylvania, and Beach Mountain in North Carolina, which is right by App State where I went to school. Boom. You've, You've skied beach, haven't you? I skied beach before. It was pretty See? good. Look at that. Um, yeah. So uh, this You're is jacking pretty interesting. Up that freaking pass, man. Jacking it up. I got to look at the whole. The whole pass. I got to go to the site and be like, what's what's up with that? We got to do a deep dive on this. There's actually like some deep analysis here. I can- gotta write something down. I need a, something to write on. I don't have my pad today. This, oh, this is oh boy. This is bad. This is where we go off the rails. I usually write a lot of stuff that I can't decrypt until like the next day and then like I don't remember what I wrote. But I got so a then, little sticky note.
0: So they now have fifty-eight passes as part of this this pass that they pulled off. Which is super cool. I mean
1: it's it really I mean, I guess the Indy passed it too, kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, but three hundred and twenty-nine bucks is nothing. That's that's two and a half days of skiing at some of these other resorts. So I don't think you
0: get so is that actually that is actually a full
1: Cooper season pass too. That's a full Cooper season plus the fifty-eight partner so you get resort. Three,
0: you get three days at those other ones.
1: Yeah, but isn't that insane?
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of them on here. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. You got Snow King out in Wyoming, Loveland in Colorado. Uh, just trying to get some highlights here. I might have to go um, Ski
1: Cooper. See.
0: Brundage, Bogus Basin in Idaho, Soldier Mountain, Idaho, which was for sale recently. I don't know if it's still available.
1: Wasn't that the one owned by Bruce Willis? Indeed, it was. Sundance in Utah
0: is on there. Damn. Gonna go to Sundance. Only- Got to go to Sundance, a bunch in Wisconsin, a couple in New uh, Mexico. He said Snow King out in Wyoming, a couple in Michigan, Lost Valley in Maine, Black Mountain, Whaleback Mountain, Dartmouth, Skiway, all in New Hampshire, Platykill, Greek Peak in New York, Yagu Valley, the only ski resort in Rhode Island Hmm. on the pass. Shawnees on here too in Pennsylvania. This is damn. a pretty interesting pass, man. This is the, uh, this uh, you know, it lets the Indy Pass kind of know, like, hey man, we're here too.
1: Here's what's hot, man, you know.
0: And again, $329, bucks. you are getting three days at those areas. The Indy Pass, you're only getting two days. So, damn, again, it really depends on where you are too, because some of these. Uh, it seems like this pass is more suited for folks that are out west. Indie Pass seems a little more suited to those on the east coast, but it's starting to get a little uh, a little competitive now, which is pretty cool. Yeah, cool stuff. I mean, again, this competition, these sort of passes, the the big the folks who benefit are the skiers, obviously. So it's great that they're having these different passes coming about. And again, you know, some of these have different restrictions which I was kind of looking at now. But you know this is kind of
1: a cool area. It's not it's far it's not that far from Vale. The uh, Cooper, right? Yeah, it's like between Vale and Keystone. Yeah.
0: And they have a really nice map too on their mountain showing you where all these mountains Mm -hmm. are. Bunch in the Midwest. If you're in, you know, Michigan, there's there's some options. Wisconsin.
1: I I guess they really do cover
0: they cover like so many states, I mean, South Dakota, they've got one of theirs, a uh, bunch out in Colorado, a bunch in Wyoming, a couple in Utah, a couple so in you're California. you're talking about
1: just over an hour from Denver. So you fly into Denver and boom, right out to Cooper. Got to get a ski house out there. Yeah. Fly in, boom, ski there a few times and then, and then on to the rest of the world. Well, it's got Loveland and Monarch on there. And I've heard Monarch is a real good time. Monarch Mountain. Yeah, in Colorado. I've heard of Montage Mountain. That's pretty good too.
0: Montage Mountain. That's on the Indie Pass. That just got
1: added, right? Yeah.
0: Last year, yeah.
1: See, they all blend together for me for a while. You got some like, options here. So you got some options. But you know what's not on this?
0: I'm drawing a blank right now. Ober Gatlinburg. Gatlinburg is not on here.
1: Gatlin, uh, that's on the Indy Pass.
0: Sure is. Not on this pass, though.
1: Boom. They have beach. Oh.
0: Some very good stuff here. I want to check that out before you've committed to your uh, your pass for the season. We got one more story here in the good old ski news. Going to the Sun Road, Montana will not be open fully by the 4th of July. Hmm. Why not? Too much snow. The problem is
1: they named it Going to the Sun Road. Why can't they just name it Sun Road? Going to the Snow Road.
0: So after evaluating the Going to the Sun Road this week, park officials have determined the road will not be open fully for the 4th of July holiday because of too much snow. Unprecedented winter snows and late spring snowstorms slowed plowing progress on Going to the Sun Road this spring. Park officials are working to determine a new no sooner than date to help visitors plan until the full length of going to the Sun Road is plowed and open to traffic. The west side vehicle closure or main at Avalanche Creek and the east side at Jackson Glacier Overlook.
1: Hmm. Damn. So I'm trying to figure out. So what are they going to make? Are they going to make like a cover for this thing? What's that? How are they making this road like non aval? Are they going to make like a almost like a shell over it so that the the snow avalanche doesn't pour over it? I don't know. Uh, this is the road that's
0: closed all winter, and then yeah. uh, then they usually break it open in in June and July. But they said uh. they just got in June eighteenth. They got two feet of new snow at sixty two hundred and fifty feet, and. It's just been a a bizarre year, so they're they're still working on getting that open. Wow. Yeah, it's out in Montana. It's a a pretty sweet area. I'm trying to f- I was trying to get some more
1: details about this, um, but yeah, they're got still a, trying to figure out when it's actually going to open. So got a tunnel. Tunnel solves everything. Bobsled. Tunnel or um, just do a uh, Hyperloop. No, just do car. Car, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, um, low rider. things, drones, drones that just pick up a car and just like chuck them out, UFOs, and drones just grab a whole car with a drone and just freaking just lift it where yeah. it needs to go. You don't have to worry about building any roads, you just drone it out.
0: Yeah, that's true. it would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? Yeah,
1: as long as it's not currently snowing, you could just drone it out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is all part of Glacier National Park and they're still saying it's closed, but should be open soon. So get Very your cool. summer skiing on. Just not right now.
1: Just not now. And Unless you that, have your own drone or your own uh flight suit. What's the uh one of was
0: like uh, what was that guy? Jetman or whatever?
1: Jetman, your own jetpack. 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 Guy. That is the future.
0: Well, that wraps up the old ski news, and we're going to roll into our main topic, which we had a great interview last week. And you know, we're fortunate that uh, his team was able to reach out to us. We had a great conversation, Jacob Perkins. So he is an American speed skier, and for those who are a little bit older, you might remember speed skiing was in the Olympics like way back in the day. In 19- oh, I remember I was- that. I believe it was 1992 in, was that Albertville,
1: France, I think. Oh, I think it might be uh, Albertville. Yeah. I'm pretty um, sure it was.
0: Jacob is a professional speed skier. Up, yeah. He's actually, interestingly enough, based out of Kentucky. Uh, but he is a, a fifth World Cup speed skier. He's got a top speed right now of 103.74 miles an hour he had a top Damn. eighteen finish in the World Cup season last year. He's currently ranked uh, in the S one class thirty second, in the S two class he's ranked sixth. Damn! So he's legit, and you know he's you are still... correct.
1: It was Albertville, Albertville in the venue is Les Arcs, and it's the okay. ninety two Winter Olympics. And that was like the
0: time about when they changed the Olympics when they they because originally they did them winter and summer in, in the, the same, same year. year i think 92 yeah. was the last one they did that and then they switched so it was cool as a winter sports enthusiast you had the 92 olympics and then the 94 olympics that's right so you're like I you think. got some like extra winter olympics and imagine if you're an athlete but you're like dude usually it's every four years i'm getting a two-year you're getting like a bonus olympics we're
1: right? getting a two-year bump that's
0: right that was lillehammer 94 Oh,
1: look at that.
0: <clears throat> I That era, like, I know my Olympics from that era. That was like when I really cared and wasn't so jaded and thought about all these, how it's just manipulating all these athletes and making money off of them. And it's look at that's, that Lillehammer 1994. Huh. I know some stuff about some stuff. So we had a great interview with Jacob. We think you'll enjoy it. Check it out. All right. We have another very special interview. This gentleman is a speed skier. And hopefully, if you don't know what speed skiing is, we're going to learn about it. So Jacob Perkins, thank you so much for joining us and welcome.
2: Yes. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate you having me on your show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So tell us a little bit
0: about yourself and where are you based out of?
2: So I'm based out of the Midwest. I spend most of my time in the summers in Louisville, Kentucky, and then in the winter time I'm traveling uh for different ski competitions over in Europe.
0: Okay, you know, Louisville, Kentucky, not exactly the hotbed of skiing. Nope. nope. <laughs> so how did you get involved in speed skiing and what is speed skiing?
2: So I actually got involved in speed skiing later um, in life. It was actually after college. Um, I was looking for a way to get back into competitive skiing. Um, I, before college, had participated in ski racing. um, And then I went and played tennis in college. And I realized that um, my years as a the time commitment and, and, and just the, and then like I was saying, the age, uh, put a hamper on it. I was looking for a way to get back into the sport and compete in some way. Cause I love competing. Um, and, uh, I came across speed skiing, uh, through on social media and the internet, and it, uh, looked very cool. It looked dangerous. Mm-hmm. It looked, uh, fun. It, it looked, uh, Uh, like an adrenaline field sport. And it it caught my attention. I was like, okay, I want to try this. And so I just started reaching out to different members in the uh, speed ski community and they all welcomed me with open arms and uh, provided me uh, tips uh, on, on the equipment and where to get the, all the specialized equipment that's required for the sport. And uh, also how to uh, get into the different competitions and and technique and so forth. So they, they really, without all the other speed skiers and and the help from the community, I wouldn't be where I am today.
0: That's very cool. So So you said you actually competed in uh, ski racing before.
2: Correct. Yeah. What events did you do then? I did a Swalem and Giant Swalem. And, uh, and so did that at, at in at the USSA level and um and then did masters as well and then uh but never did like fist level events in either either one.
0: Okay. So how does the equipment and the gear differ between doing like slalom skiing or if you're just doing regular resort skiing versus what you're using in speed skiing?
2: Sure. Yeah, there's there's some similarities. Um I mean the construction of the ski is is similar except for the fact on the speed ski uh, they're much longer. They're about 238 centimeters in length versus a slalom ski is about 165 centimeters. Uh there's no side cut at all, uh, or very little on, on a speed ski. It's basically a straight long or cause you're going in a stra- in a straight line uh in down a hill and you don't want the ski to hook up. And then um in addition, the uh, ski is, is wider as well, um, the the bases of the ski versus a uh, slalom ski. So you're moving
0: almost you're towards on like on a ski jump
2: ski, ski. ski. It versus. is. There's, that, there's a lot of similarities to ski jumping um, in the sense that there's, if you look at a ski jumper, it looks like they're just kind of, just going through the air and, and not doing much, but they're actually making lots of fine tune adjustments with their hands and their body position to maintain uh, that smooth trajectory down the ski jump hill and into the finish area. Oh yeah. hundred percent.
0: You can see, especially like yeah, your core muscles, your back muscles, mm-hmm. the things that you you, you want to make as many adjustments as you can yes. without kind of making those drastic moves that can, you know, it's, it's like, I don't know if butterfly is the right thing, but it's like the tiniest little movement at that speed just mm-hmm. makes a huge correction versus just like a tiny twitch, which will probably get you where you need to go.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's, it's small movements and, and nothing you have to anticipate and nothing's done uh, super quick. Cause if, if you do um, it, the consequences can uh, be disastrous,
0: <laughs> especially <laughs> at the speeds you're going. Yes. Yes. So then, so the equipment is, again, you're saying more like a, like a ski jumping longer, no mm-hmm. side cut. What about training for this versus mm-hmm. like, I mean, I, I know, you know, we've talked to some, some other, you know, com, you know, competitive skiers in the, on the podcast and just, you know, watching, you know, you watch Instagram, you watch Michaela and Alexander doing a lot of the plyometric, a lot of big heavy squats, that kind of stuff. What, how is the training different for something like regular skiing events, like a slalom, giant slalom versus speed skiing.
2: There's, there's actually a lot of similarities. Um, you're, I mean, we do a lot of legs core, uh, try to build a good foundation cardio, uh, especially in the off season, we're lifting fairly heavily. Um, there's a lot of balance training. Um, but, the the wink the weakest link is going to fail when you're skiing 100 miles an hour so um you just have to make sure that you're well balanced well in tune um you're strong everywhere and um that there's there's no um lack of uh, focus or concentration i think that your mental game is a huge part of it as well too
0: Yeah. What about you work with any like sports psychologists or is there any sort of exercises or program that you get into mentally to get into a state where you're like, I'm going to go a hundred plus miles an hour on my
2: skis? Uh, I have worked with sports psychologists in the past. Um, What I I found to be most helpful is, is in especially the star area to not think about what you're actually going to do. I kind of just think about, uh, about something else and, and kind of occupy myself until I get into the start gate. And then, uh, one of the great things about speed skiing is the helmet, the the lens on the helmet, you can only see a couple feet out in front of you. <laughs> so, um, when you, especially when you're in a tuck, so it kind of, in some sense helps you focus in as well because you can't hear anything around you and you can't see very far, but I'm always thinking just, just focus down right in the sweet spot of where your vision is. uh, Especially when you get going and, and get low and get down into the tuck uh, as quick as possible.
0: Yeah. Could you talk more about the helmet that you guys use? I mean, that looks like that looks nothing like any other kind of ski helmet out there.
2: It's very unique, yeah, a, lot, right? a lot of people kind of say it looks like a Darth Vader helmet. Um, <laughs> I, I think it sort of does. It's each helmet is there. It's similar in the sense that it has kind of a teardrop, um, or dome like shape to it. Um, but each and every, uh, speed skiers helmet, um, while it, while they're all similar, it, are different because they're customized to their body, uh, type and their and especially their shoulder size, if they have wide shoulders or narrow shoulders. Um oh, and, really? yes, and their head as well, because in all speed ski helmets, there is a, and this is mandated by Fist, that there's an inner breakaway helmet. So that helmet needs to be correctly sized uh to the racer uh to ensure that it uh will stay on the racer's head in case of an accident.
0: So is it better to have a big head or a small head?
2: Uh, I think having a larger head actually is helpful because the outside circumference and how they, so your your speed ski helmet can only be a certain um, diameter and they, they will check this at the finish area uh, via the hoop test. It's this large, wooden hoop and they take the speed ski helmet and run it through both vertically um on its end and and also on its side and make sure that it fits within those limits well the largest the widest thing is your shoulders so if your head is wider you're just adding more weight but you're not your your aerodynamic profile hasn't changed so if your if your head can be larger and your shoulders can stay the same then then that's that's actually better
0: so big head, small shoulders is the yes. ideal profile.
2: Yeah. Interesting.
0: And now did you guys do like, well, I'm sure you do like wind tunnel work to, for aerodynamics.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of the uh, racers uh, do wind tunnel work. Um, it is very expensive and unless the national ski organization or you have funding it, it I mean, it <laughs> typically ranges several thousand dollars an hour to do wind tunnel testing. Um, so, if you're trying to fund it yourself, but a lot of racers that either are not getting funding, funding from outside sources, or able to foot the bill on their own, will um, do either simulative to a to a speed ski run um, at typically either lower speeds or or either like on top of a vehicle or or something else to mimic. yeah it's uh, car just top, top on top speed
0: of in, your Subaru uh, Outback out out and just see how
2: yeah yeah there's there's uh there's actually a record in in car top speed skiing um it's over 160 miles an hour uh whoa uh yeah yeah it's pretty fast what kind uh, of car uh it was a streamliner it wasn't done on like a normal <sighs> car so to speak um and it was done in a in a controlled speed testing environment but but,
0: 95 like no no i think
2: (laughs) (laughs) i think you would get in trouble if you did that but (laughs) that would be pretty cool to see somebody coming by uh, at 160 miles an hour on the top of a car so
0: i'm just putting it out there i'm not saying you should do it if you want some viral video action
2: to get some oh yeah some buzz for the sport Mm-hmm. I could be, that could be an option. I'm just saying. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you get a lot of YouTube views. Um, <laughs> but, and then another option is, is just to it, like, when I train, I'm just training at a resort. It's, it's actually on a run where they practice giant swallow. They close off half the run for giant swallow, And then I can, I will practice on, on the side of the run. Um, most speed ski, uh, Hills, they're they're a long run out area and then it's fairly steep throughout the start and then the midsection of the run so it goes steep and then flat but when i'm training i'm not skiing at 100 miles an hour i'm typically training somewhere around 60 to 70 miles an hour which is still fast but um it, it's not fast where you're thinking about okay, can how how to go faster, but more on your technique because once you get solid technique, that translates over into the speed um, when you get in get on to larger slopes and in bigger competitions.
0: So it's in a way kind of like you know martial arts where you're not you're not hitting full punch, but you're kind of you're right. doing all the right motions so that when you mm-hmm. get to the real event, your butt your muscle memory is there, you're in tune, and you can just kind of put it into the next gear and, and
2: yes,
1: yes. Okay.
0: Now a question about the runs then, is there a certain degree or pitch that, um, is mandated for a speed skiing run?
2: There's not a a certain pitch, but they're typically very steep. Um, and then the, and then the run out area, like I said, is very long and flat. Um, there are certain lengths that are, are mandated, uh, for the run out area. Um, especially, and then also a certain speed of the track for so they have two different types of competitions they have the speed masters which is where like world records are set and that is not done on a typical like uh or at least at the start level of a regular world cup speed ski track and then they have the world cup competitions which they try to keep at or below 200 kilometers an hour. So it's like
1: 120 miles an
0: hour.
2: Yeah. So it's not just the pitch of the hill, but it's also the length of the hill as well.
0: Okay. I'm just trying to look up for, for uh, and I'm sure you know it. W- what is the current record right now for speed?
2: It's over 158. It's like 158 two-ish miles an hour um that was pretty and, recent too it happened right? it was uh there's there's it, there's been a, a gap here where some records haven't been set but a couple years ago there were several uh sequential records set and they were all very close to each other like one was 158 uh, the current one and then there were several that were just a couple k uh slower Okay.
0: 158 miles an hour.
2: Yes. Do you know what yeah. your personal top speed is? Uh, mine is 103.74. Okay.
0: And what does that feel like at that speed? Does it feel, I mean, I, I guess it's almost guessing like a race car driver. Like what's it like going 200 miles an hour at like Daytona? Like, is it, is there a, is there a, like a, like a, an extra adrenaline feel that you get or is it all kind of, you've, you're a professional and you just, it just is what it is at this point.
2: I think everything kind of slows down because you're super, you're super focused, and, and you have a plan, and you're you're relying on your training. But I, I actually couldn't believe it when I did go 103.74 miles an hour because it didn't feel like that. It um, it felt very smooth, and part of that is the preparation of the track. The at all the competitions, um, the course workers and race crews, they do a great job. Uh, making sure that there's no um, unexpected bumps or undulations in the track and that it's, it's groomed out uh, very well. And then secondly is at those speeds, you're kind of, you're riding on a cushion of air Um, as you go faster, things start to smooth out. Uh, I'd say around 60 to 70 miles an hour, you'll start to notice like the little tiny bumps and stuff that you might've felt at Ten miles an hour you're you're planning over it it's kind of like when you're on a boat and you're and you go ten or twenty miles an hour and then you then you go up to forty the ride actually starts to sp- starts to feel smoother um, in a in a speed boat so, and it's in the same thing uh, happens in speed skiing as well. you kind of hit that like sweet spot where you're, you're
0: you're almost like a superhero at that point right
2: yeah it feels like it. <laughs>
0: So now you got a video on your website. It's of you crashing at a hundred miles an hour. Like what's, what's that feeling like? And what's the first thought that goes through your mind once you, you kind of lose it. Uh,
2: I, I think the best thing to do when you do lose it is to go with it and not to try to fight it. I think it causes, um, typically more harm. Um, then good because the chances of you making a recovery after you've gone past the point of typically no return um, is slim. And by not going with it, uh, you could either, you know, wind up in, in a more compromising position when you fall. But when you, when you do try to fall, you want to fall, you don't want to fall on your back. You want to fall on, on your side, preferably Um And uh, hopefully your skis uh, release.
0: Do you train for for crashing, like specifically?
2: I don't necessarily train for crashing, but uh, I've crashed a a number (laughs) of times learning to ski. You get good at it. Yes, you you, you learn how to roll with the punches, so to speak. Yeah, well, almost literally
0: because I know, like, I went. Uh, you know, I I grew up ice skating and playing ice hockey, and I took my son ice skating for the first time last weekend. And you know, to kind of keep his morale up, whenever he would fall, I would fall. And I mm-hmm. kind of, like you said, you want to fall in a certain way where you kind of can just, you know, almost like on your shoulder, roll with it. Okay, I'm going super slow. I'm not going anywhere near 100 miles an hour. But there's a certain way to where you kind of. It's almost like the the martial arts, the Aikido, where you take your energy and you use someone's energy against them, the momentum. And in, in that way, you kind of want to, yeah, sort of roll with it so that you're not twisting, grinding, snapping anything, just kind of letting your body just get rid yeah. of that, that speed and energy as, as safely as possible.
2: Yeah. Yeah, just relax and and let it do what it's gonna do, and and also too, you have to trust your your safety equipment as well. I mean, we wear, wear several layers under our, our suits. Our suits are um, made out of uh, special material. We we all wear back protectors, um, and and hopefully, like I said, your bindings release and and your settings are all right. and And if you trust in those things, um, I've seen a lot of people take take pretty hard falls at at even faster than 100 uh, miles an hour and they walk away with either no injuries or minimal injuries.
0: That's amazing. That really is a testament to the the technology that they're able to do that. Do you guys have those um, inflatable um, suits underneath?
2: Uh, I have uh, thought about purchasing one um, or trying to work with one of the companies. Uh, I do think that They have been proven in the alpine events to uh, greatly reduce injuries, and several of the top downhill skiers wore them in the uh, Beijing Olympics, and uh, as far as the profile, one of the concerns early on with those type of suits was that, okay, you have this extra padding and and the equipment required to inflate the vest, and that's going to make your profile bigger. And it's not gonna allow you to move right, or you're not gonna be, or you're you're not gonna be as aerodynamic. And and that was proven wrong because several of the people that podiumed or uh slash medaled in the previous Olympics were wearing one of those inflatable suits.
0: Okay. Yeah. And I guess with you guys, everything is aerodynamics. That is the most important thing. mean, safety and
2: speed. Yeah, I mean, we're all so you we all have to be on uh, FIS approved equipment. Our skis are all there, even though they're made by different manufacturers and they are custom speed skis. Um, I mean, you can't buy these at a regular store, but they're all the same length. They're all 238 centimeters. They all weigh, give or take the same amount. They all have the the same uh pro uh camber ish profile and and side cut profile the the boots we race on they're standard boots um i mean everything there's rules and regulations we have to adhere to and then outside of those there is some lead way to change things but by and large uh we're all skiing on very similar gear so we have so aerodynamics is very key and then secondly is the wax and preparation uh you do for your skis um i i'm currently actually preparing my skis for next year but but my skis will go through somewhere around 30 to 50 wax cycles before they hit the competition
0: wow Wow. 30 to 50
2: yeah complete complete yeah complete wax cycles and it's it's uh Premier Race Wax. Um, I work with Swix, um, and the skis I use are Atomic. uh, And I'll uh, I'll start. I use a a base prep wax, and I prep them, and then I move into um, harder and more higher end performance waxes. And then on race day, uh, we all use some sort of top coat type of blend. And at the speeds we're going, that burns off, and typically one run. So we put it on there and, and it's, and at the end of the end of the run, we have to reapply it. So you're still using one pair of skis for the whole event. Um, Some people use multiple pairs. Uh, What's challenging for, especially for international racers is trying to the, trying to get all your gear to the competitions. Even uh, I usually take two to three pairs of skis but with all my skis, all my uh, prep prep gear, um, all the different outfits, uh, and we have spares. Uh, most of us take spares of everything in case there is a fall, or there's an accident, or something goes wrong. Uh, you're talking, I mean, five to to six or seven bags of stuff. And that's a <laughs> yeah. I don't have the Michaela Schiffer the 60 ski quiver. No, no, and and one of the reasons she has so many skis is because she's not just competing in one event like I'm competing in um, speed skiing. She's competing in slalom, giant slalom, super G, downhill. She's competing in like five events or more, and she has uh, skis, multiple pairs of skis for each of those events. So it quickly adds up.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So just one quick other question back to the equipment. What about bindings? Are you using standard bindings or are they specific for speed skiing?
2: The most uh, of the racers use Atomic 1018 bindings and the reason they use them is because they're a low the heel piece on the binding is a low profile binding. It doesn't come up very high. high. <laughs> yes, aerodynamics and um, so in speed skiing the back part um, of our outfit which is attached to the back of our suit um in our calf area it's called the fairings and they um are typically made out of foam but the fairing has to clear the binding the heel piece of the binding it can't it can't restrict the heel piece and you can't modify the heel piece so by having a binding that just naturally has a lower heel piece which happens to be the Atomic 1018 binding, um, that makes that a very appealing uh, binding to use. It doesn't mean you necessarily have to use that. All the racers are using some sort of race binding. And then secondly, the binding is not attached um, onto a race plate, which is mounted onto the ski. This, the binding is directly uh, drilled and mounted into the ski uh, top sheet. Is that again? Yeah. For aerodynamics. Um, partially for aerodynamics, and secondly, you want to be as close to the snow as possible. So, in alpine events, where the where the race plate provides dampening and allows you to edge the ski over without booting out, we're going in a straight line, so we don't have to worry about that. And having you having your center of gravity, even if it's an inch lower to the snow, uh, improves your stability. And like you're saying uh, the aerodynamics. It's a lot to think about. Uh, It is. It's
0: cool. And now you have an engineering background. So have you found any, uh, anything that you could apply your engineering history to, to, to tweaking, modifying, improving to, uh, get a better performance?
2: Yes, I I didn't really realize until I got into this sport how much my engineering background uh, would help, but it's uh, allowed me, not necessarily because I directly make everything on my outfit, but I'm able to work with the manufacturers and provide uh, my technical input and and feedback and come up with uh, better equipment and gear to use in future competitions and upcoming seasons.
0: That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. You know, do you have any thoughts of after your uh, career, kind of becoming like a consultant or starting your own company with speed skiing equipment? Uh,
2: That would be a dream job. Uh, That would be awesome. Uh, I love skiing um, and always enjoy sharing my passion with others. Um, I do think that just just like other sports and certain industries, skiing is kind of. especially ski equipment is kind of a niche market. So you have to find something either have to do it better than the other, the other manufacturers, or you need to come up with a, uh, disruptive slash groundbreaking improvement technology and capture the market uh, share.
0: Yeah. You have yeah. Like a cash cow product. This can be like your passion project on the side, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think too. I, I was kind of looking through the background on your all uh, ski uh, podcast and the the different stories you talked about, and um, I think that's great. Like you going to resorts in Vermont and New Jersey and in different areas, and um, I hope one thing. I, what has happened more recently? is I feel like skiing has become even more commercialized and there's fewer, um, ski, not only ski resorts, but, uh, businesses that are involved in the industry and the ones that are there have captured, um, a lot of the market share. And, and I, I think competition is, while I also like competition, I think it's great for business and developing the industry, um, as a whole. I think having more mom and pop ski shop, uh, shops and resorts and more companies involved in, in the industry, while it creates competition between them, it's only going to make everybody better.
0: Yeah. And we've been huge fans of the Indie Pass ever since that's come out. I think it's the last three years mm-hmm. now. Again, it's it's you're kind of getting people excited and knowing about these local ski hills that maybe... I, I've talked about you know, perfect example. I got my my ski Vermont shirt on today, and we did a share house at Killington. We're driving past all these amazing ski resorts in Vermont, and now with the Indie Pass, you know, they get two trips, uh, two two visits per resort. And there's like you know, fifty some resorts on there, maybe more at this point. And you're, the places that you drove past, you go to, and you're like, oh, this is why I fell in love with skiing. This mom and pop vibe, couple of friends, maybe you got you know, eight hundred feet of vertical, thousand feet of vertical. But the amount of fun you're having there, the laughs, the playing music at the bottom, you know, it's just it's like an old school familiar vibe, which is what all pretty much all of us fell in love with that kind of scene. And to bring yeah. that back and like I mentioned my son again, I've been taking him the last couple of years and it's kind of like I can see it through his eyes now and it's going to make me fall in love with these these little Mom and pop places, and like yeah. you want these people to survive and to thrive, because like like you mentioned, competition is good, and these are like those feeder hills. Like you're not going to get a Vale, a Killington, uh, you know, like those big resorts, unless you have these small mom and pop feeder hills to to build that passion.
2: I completely agree. I, I mean, I learned to ski on a small hill, and I still train on a small hill. Um, I think you can learn a lot on on not much vertical. And I think like you're saying that kind of ski town vibe and and having like that community where you can go in and talk to different people. I, I thoroughly enjoy that. and I think that's a huge part of what skiing is about
0: yeah yeah i mean you get the old snowcat guy like, he's got his stories you know like he's been around for 30 years like he'll tell you some crazy tales mm-hmm. those are the people you want to talk to you don't want to talk to people who are airbnb being in the village like those people are boring oh i work on wall street i got a hedge fund like you don't want to talk to those people you want the real people the guy who's been you know operating the the lift for the last 40 years those are the people that they have the stories they are the ski industry that's Agreed. who we want really to talk to
2: yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of interesting people at at my local ski hill. So I always thoroughly enjoy talking to uh, to anybody I get a chance to. Whether it's and it's on a lift ride, I encourage people I know they go with groups or friends. But you know, sometimes just ride up on a lift with a random stranger and just start chatting them up because I've had some very interesting uh, conversations.
0: (laughs) Um, Uh, I had, I, I was skiing solo this year and I got on a lift. I was out in blue mountain in Pennsylvania and I got on a lift with some guy and he started talking. He's like, Oh, it's my first day back on in two years. You know, I just got my knees replaced and I got some new skis and like, we chatted the whole time up and you know, like, it was, it was just great. Like you get to see people, like you, you see the appreciation that you have in yourself on other people. And yes. it's what makes the sport so great is that, you know, people who are passionate about skiing are passionate about skiing. And there's a reason why.
2: Mm-hmm. Really great. And I think, um, trying to get, like, if you look statistically over the last 10 or 20 years, the the ski population, it's, it's been um, older and there's been pure return returning skiers that ski multiple times a year. So I would like to see that change and have some of the, uh, younger generation, uh, develop, uh, the same passion, uh, for skiing that I have and, and, uh, look forward to, to going out on the slopes and get out there hopefully more than once a year.
0: know yeah, It's funny. Like so many people, Uh, I mean, I live by the beach, so obviously I get it. People are like, I hate the winter. The winter is so boring. I'm like, have you tried skiing? Like, do you know how awesome it is? And, you know, if you're like in your 40s and you're not athletic and you're like, I'm not going to try that, I'm going to break my leg. Okay, fine. But if you have kids, like the best thing you can do for them is to just take them you know, maybe you got to sit in your laptop in the lodge while your kids give them that experience, though, because they will take the ball and run with it because there's so many schools that have, you know, trips and after school programs and get them out there. Like, don't yeah, winter doesn't have to be boring. Like winter can be to me. I'm sure you as well. Winter's the best season by far. It is. Yeah Because skiing is like unlike anything else that you can do legally in the world right now.
2: Yeah, it's, it's great exercise. It's fun. It's a good group activity. And, and like you're saying, take, seeking out the opportunities at your local um, school or college, most of them have ski clubs, getting, getting involved in that is, is a great way to uh, get into the sport and, and also share your passion with others.
0: Yeah. And you meet the best people, a hundred percent, hands down. The best people I've ever met have been people in the ski industry.
2: Yep. Yep. Several of my friends are, I mean, I have, I would say different friend circles. I have my tennis friends, my work friends, but I have a lot of ski friends and they're very good friends and, um, always enjoy talking to them and, and whenever getting a chance to ski with them as well.
0: So we got a half an hour in the, in the can so far. A couple more Mm -hmm. quick questions. Do you have a favorite course or location where you speed ski?
2: My favorite course is in Sweden. It's the Idre, uh, resort. That's where they hold the world, one of the world cup competitions on the circuit. Uh, the reason I like the resort so much is because the hill mimics the hill I train on, except for just on a much grander scale. Um, it's very, it's a, sh- it's a shorter track than some of the other tracks, but it is actually the steepest of the tracks on the, on the steep, on the steep pitch. It's, uh, somewhere between 50 and 70 degrees. Um, oh, wow. it, it's basically straight down. And, uh, but what I like about it is you accelerate fast, which is a se- similar feeling to the course I train on and there's a huge runout area, So, um, once you get through the finish line, especially on a good snow year, and there's no compression, uh, it's a great feeling. And, um, yeah, I think that connection to back home, um, makes it one of my, um, more favorite competition hills.
0: Is that the one on your website where you have the
2: 166 kilometers yes. run? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the one. Um, it's, a uh, it's, it's a 180 uh, k track. Actually, this record they set 181 uh, k on the track. The track record was broken this year. Uh, it was running fast, and and that's the thing about speed skiing is on any given year, uh, the I mean the snow conditions, the weather conditions, how the track was uh, prepared all make a huge difference in the in the speeds because a couple kilometers an hour. Uh, difference can can be attributed to to just a, a small change in your tuck or a change in the weather or conditions
0: yeah, i guess even just the wind shifting a couple degrees or a couple miles an hour in one direction or another probably makes a huge difference right
2: yes yeah it makes a huge difference uh, we uh, actually have somebody at the top of the course before everybody's running that checks the wind speed and uh, it has to be under a certain threshold for the racers uh, to be able to go because if there's a strong crosswind, especially at those speeds, um, it can uh, prove to be uh, dangerous, and especially in the finish area when racers are approaching their their top speed.
0: It's a lot that goes Milan. into it. Mm-hmm. So, twenty twenty six, Milan. Cortina Olympics will speed skiing be there?
2: I'm not sure yet. Time time will tell. There's several programs that are um, in review right now. I know ski mountaineering which has not been in the Olympic program in the past Olympics is a new discipline that's being added and that's currently uh not a fifth discipline uh but what whether it's the 2026 or Uh, maybe even the 2030 Olympics, I would pay special attention to how the program and the competition is conducted in ski mountaineering because just like speed skiing where, and even though speed skiing was in the Olympics in 92, um, this is a new discipline and it'll be interesting to see if it gains traction or fan base because if it does, then I think something very similar could happen with speed skiing since more and more competitions are being added. And, um, there's been a, a renewed interest in the sport.
0: That's great. So it seems like you're, uh, you're set up in the right place at the right time to, to capitalize
2: yeah. on this. That's great. Yeah. And how many events do
0: you guys have in this upcoming season?
2: So the season calendar has not been released, but the past year we had four uh, different locations and 12 events in total. And that was just on the world cup. That's not counting. um, Other uh, nations had uh, national level events or, or just this events, but just world cup events around 12 events this past year.
0: Okay. Anticipating similar numbers then.
2: Yeah, I I anticipate the similar numbers. I believe all the resorts that were involved in the competitions this past year will want to be a part of it this uh, next year. And uh, we're hoping to uh, maybe even add another event. Um, One of the things is with the tracks, they have to be homologated and approved by FIS. So you have to actually run a FIS race before you have a world cup event so there's been several tracks over the past couple of years where they've had a lower level or just fist level race held on the track and the track has been approved so we have more tracks to pull from to add to an official world cup schedule
0: okay and if people want to learn more about speed skiing where do we point them
2: so if you're if you're in the u.s and you're trying to get into speed skiing uh Go to highway to face uh, Facebook page, speed skiing. There's a lot of great resources there. Uh, you can go to speedski.com. Uh the there's several uh, links to speed skiing equipment, speed skiing resources um as well as uh other racers that you can get in touch with and then if you personally want to reach out to me check out jacobperkins.org um and send me an email and i'd be happy to get in touch with you and provide you information uh and, and help you get into speed skiing.
0: And on your website jacobperkins.org all of your social medias are there too. So if anyone wants to follow you, go there. Yes.
2: Yep, yep, that would be great.
0: Jacob, anything else? I don't think so.
2: We covered a lot
0: of ground. Awesome. I think we did. We learned a lot about speed skiing. Um, I'm excited. We're going to follow you. And uh, hopefully, if, if you want to give us an update on the season, be happy to chat with you again.
2: Awesome. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate right. it.
0: Thanks so much, Jacob. Take care. Take care. All right, bye-bye. Hope you guys enjoyed that. If you want more info on Jacob, go to jacobperkins.org. We'll have links in the show notes at our
1: website, skibumpodcast.com. Hey, 1994, Lillehammer. That was Tanya Harding time. That was it. That was the taking her out. Is that 94, 92? 94, Tanya Harding meltdown at the 94 Olympics. Nice. It was a simpler time.
0: A simpler <sighs> time. Man. Well, we do have one story, and uh, we're going to have to go... Under the Ropes.
1: To Mario let uh, talk this one out for us it seems a little pretty far-fetched but i remember when brian brought this up i was like you know what i saw this this past week as well so there's this concept it's a giant luxury hotel that flies and stays in the airs for years and for years 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 um years years so it's a giant nuclear powered flying hotel <laughs> complete with a gym, swimming pool, what and go wrong? To carry 5000 passengers in unparalleled luxury. So it's like a cruise ship with wings up in the air. And I thought this was like something weird like Soul plane or you know the big big bus or something like that. But they have like a like a design studio and they're like trying to make this shit a reality. So I don't know like at first, I thought this was stupid, and then I'm like, all right, I'll be on board if it's blimp technology, but now I'm looking, and they're saying nuclear-powered fusion reactors designed to never land, and it's just going to continually fly, and I'm like, huh, interesting.
0: See, um, I was the opposite. I was excited about it, and then I saw the pictures of it, and I was like, this is stupid
1: and <laughs> terrifying. Yeah. Like, how many more engines can you put on the wings? They got like 50 engines. There's even like the landing gear is like, you know, eight sets of landing gear. Like, it's just bizarre like, looking. 20 like
0: 20 engines on this thing. This is the kind of thing my son makes out of Legos. Check I was just going to say, awesome. like,
1: <laughs> a five-year-old. This is the concept of a five-year-old with actual luxury inside. So I'm kind of like... I like the luxury inside, but I think they slapped together the out, outer shell of like what this is in. Oh my I don't know. God. So 20
0: engines powered by nuclear fusion.
1: <clears throat> so they were trying to do plans on this for a personless ride. In other words, like it would automate it just fly around the earth. And I think <laughs> after one car crash or one plane crash, it'd be like, Yeah, that's not gonna happen. So they're saying Despite plans for a manless ride, the Sky Cruise will still require plenty of staff on board to be at at every passenger's beck and call. So, um, the greatly detailed video. So, they have a video that you got to watch. It has like a gigantic shopping mall, theater, swimming pool, everything. Um, And they're talking, they're trying to build it as like a Sky Cruise. And it's funny, they have like a little, instead of like a a dinghy for a, a big ship, they have like a little cradle with another little jumbo jet in in it. <laughs> I guess because it's so huge, it's so insane. This thing, like, you
0: really have to see the pictures of it. There are yeah. twenty engines on like this. I, I, I'm not. So it's funny. An engineer. So it's a concept. Insane.
1: Yeah. Right, So some have called the Sky Cruise concept, the new Titanic, pointing out a plethora of issues with its design. The huge airplane would have huge, it would have issues taking off and would be far from aerodynamic. Others also pointed out faults with its weight, saying that an aircraft powered by a nuclear reactor crash, it could destroy a city. <laughs> <laughs> or the Earth, you know. One nervous passenger said, great idea, putting a nuclear reactor in something that could malfunction and fall out of the sky. While someone else commented, I'm sure I would be able to afford a ticket for the lowest deck with no leg space and no access to the lounge. A third wrote, those exposed elevators would be a big nope for me. Uneven drag would also like a word on those. The engine looks especially like jet engines. Fusion reactor is used as magic future energy source, and your animation never bothered to raise the landing gear. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know, I hear, they're probably gonna raise a ton of money and see where this thing goes. All I'm hearing is a bunch of hater aid right now. Hey, you know what? Um what's the space Right with the with the giant wings. They thought he was stupid and he still built it with government money, because yeah, he could. Uh, Howard Hughes, right? Howard Hughes built uh, that gigantic Spruce Goose. Yeah. Did
0: it ever actually fly,
1: though? It got off the ground by like ten or fifteen feet, so officially it passed um, the regulation for the government contracts that he used to build that thing. So yes, he it getting did fly. Paid, getting paid. Getting paid, getting paid. He's like, so you're saying it has to go over 10 feet for, you know, like 30 seconds. And it went 15 feet for like 31 seconds. And there you go. Had it on video. That's it. Pay me. I'm taking my check, sir. That's right. You want it to fly and actually go somewhere? Well, you better put that in your contract next time. Now, if you had told me that Elon Musk came up with this and this is what it's going to look like, I'd be like, I believe it. It's going to work. This is not Musk-like, though. This is, like you I said, don't know. he's I a don't five-year-old know. putting a bunch of Legos together and taking three planes parts and putting them together. This is exactly what that is.
0: I don't know who Hishem <laughs> al-Hali is. I'm sure he's a very smart man.
1: He's I'm sure he's high this. as fuck right now.
0: <laughs> it's like someone took... like The back of it looks like the Enterprise from Star Trek. There's like a mall. Like It's the most ridiculous... So thing, picture getting uh, a
1: cruise ship model and two airplane models and putting them together into a Franken plane. The and that's Enterprise, like. <laughs> a Sandals resort, and
0: a couple of airplanes, mix all the Legos together, and that's what this thing is.
1: That's right. Maybe a jet fighter there, too. <laughs> Star Trek Enterprise right on there. It's yeah. so bizarre. It's so bizarre. And, and then just... there's the clickbait of Anna Kornikova at the bottom. See? We're back to the okay. clickbait. So before the podcast started, we're getting some bonus stuff here. <laughs> before the podcast started, we
0: started, for some reason, I don't know how Anna Kornikova came up, but she did. <laughs> because, because it's clickbait on this page. All over the so page. Was clickbait on this page. So Anna Kornikova, got, we started running an Anna Kornikova rabbit hole, as one does. That's what you do. And we forgot, like maybe we didn't forget, maybe we remembered, just like... You know, it brought us back to like 2002, 2001, that era. Again, Anna Kornikova, was he 20 years old there or whatever? And we found out that the things you can learn, it's beautiful. So any Texas Hold'em players, poker players, apparently if you have an opening um, hand of an ace and king, they call that an Anna Kornikova. Part of the reason is AK, it's her initials, but also it looks a lot better than it performs. (laughs) Hilarious. That makes sense. Hilarious. And also, too, you can order a white Russian, which if you know what that is, obviously you haven't watched the Big Lebowski a thousand times like I have. It's a drink. It's vodka, Kahlua, and heavy cream. Yeah,
1: heavy cream, you, not milk, heavy cream. If
0: you get it with skim milk though, instead of the heavy cream, they call it an anakornikova.
1: Come nice. on. Come on.
0: Come on. This are Come amazing on. facts. Where else are you getting this kind of information? I don't know. I'm still stuck on looking at Anna Kornikova pictures now. You can go down a rabbit hole. She was again like one of the first people who got like because that's when like digital cameras like first became a thing. Like there were so many like creep shots of her, like playing tennis,
1: like, but she wasn't a great was a tennis time. person. Like, so she not, what I remember she is people any- would be like, yeah, but she would have like, uh, the whole, like everybody would go out to watch her play and, you know, in these big tournaments, like the opens and stuff like that you would see like she played and there was like, she'd get center court or there would be a big, you know, crowd watching her, nobody watching the other people. And it's like, yeah, you know, she's really only ranked like number, I think her highest ranking was what, 5, something like that. She was never really like up on the top, but she had a lot of fans, you know? I don't know. We know.
0: We definitely know.
1: You got to see Anna Kornikova's top rankings. Yeah. of Tennis has to be number eight was the highest ranking. There you go. I mean, we weren't ranked
0: bad. eighth. We haven't been ranked eighth or anything.
1: You know, we were ranked above eight in in some things. I don't know.
0: Well, in terms of ski podcasts, number we're one number baby. One. I don't we're care only. what anyone says. Everyone else is boring. That's right. Mutang for life. Mutang.
1: <laughs> but anyway, we Tank Financials ranks us as the number one buy in your portfolio. That's right. Always, we
0: Tank Financial. Well, everyone, thank you so much
1: for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. We're going to of- have uh, tickets for the luxury hotel when that opens up. Uh, we'll be on there with a few fans, right? Just write to us. Perhaps. Do that at ski Bump Podcast at gmail com. Boom. Go to your favorite social
0: media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, untap your at Skibum Podcast. And we'll talk to you guys probably in two weeks.
1: Yep. Stay high, stay saluted. See ya.